from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by Marshall University, with more than 100 degree programs offered in four locations and online. More about the Marshall family at marshall.edu. West Virginia University, a land-grant, space-grant, R1 research institution. Learn more at wvu.edu. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Welcome to the Legislature Today. I'm Dave Mistich. This week, we'll hear from lawmakers on the House Finance Committee about the status of Governor Jim Justice's plan to reduce the state's personal income tax, which comes along with hikes to consumer sales and other taxes. There's plenty of opportunity for us, and we're taking every consideration from the caucus as well as the members on the Finance Committee and the chairman to come up with a, a, maybe an alternative to what the governor has proposed. And, and hopefully here shortly, we will be able to see all those opportunities out before us. There's been a lot of uh, concerns expressed over who does it help, but who does it hurt? And I think that's one of the guiding principles that we're going to have going forward in any plan that we support is, is who does this help and who does it hurt? Because we really want to try to get our folks in West Virginia to stay. We want to rebuild our state and we want them to succeed. We'll hear more about the governor's sweeping tax reform measure and its chances in the House of Delegates later in the show. But first, we'll recap a couple of bills that have made news this week. One that's now passed one chamber and another that remains stalled. Today, the House of Delegates passed House Bill 2174 on a 70-28 vote after adopting several amendments to the bill. The measure would protect monuments honoring historical events and figures from being removed, renamed, or relocated from public property. Under the proposal, the State Historic Preservation Office would be able to issue permits to grant exceptions. On Wednesday, the House Government Organization Committee held a public hearing on House Bill 2174. Every one of the speakers at the hour-long hearing urged lawmakers to reject the bill, arguing the measure was created to protect monuments that honor the Confederacy and white supremacist ideologies. On the House floor, Democrats like Delegate Evan Hansen and Delegate Daniel Walker, both of Monongalia County, and Delegate Sean Fluharty of Ohio County echoed sentiments expressed in Wednesday's public hearing. Down by, in between my office is where I enter the building every day. I walk by it on my way into work and out of work every day. And I'm not happy that it's there. I wish we could remove it and place it in a museum. That's where I think it belongs. It offends me that that bust is placed in a position where it's sanctioned by the state of West Virginia and honored by the state of West Virginia instead of treated as a historical monument. The red button will stop the hate. The red button will elevate the voices who opposes this bill. The red button will illustrate that you and our state denounce white supremacy. The red button will acknowledge that slavery was wrong and is wrong. The red button will move our state forward.
so West Virginians can stay rebuild and succeed. Well, let's talk about the green button. The green button will promote hate in our state. The green button will celebrate the years of oppression of free labor, hangings, beatings, shackles, and chains. The green button will send a clear message to black and brown people that you live in a colorless society, which is dangerous, detrimental, and deadly. A green button will congratulate the losing team. And a green button is the ultimate award of participation. What the hell are we doing? See, Wheeling, birthplace of the state, Independence Hall. Slavery was debated in Independence Hall. We decided to become West Virginia and be on the right side of history. And we're here today debating whether we should celebrate and continue to celebrate and protect the Confederacy. What state are we in again? But Republicans like Delegate Mark Zatezolo of Hancock County and House Government Organization Chair Brandon Steele argued House Bill 2174 is not only about protecting Confederate monuments. They said the measure offers a process for monuments and markers to be moved or renamed if the public and other entities choose to petition the state. I, for one, will tell you this, and it really angers me, to take Abraham Lincoln's name off a of school in San Francisco tells me a lot about what, what's going on in the country. Do we want that? Do we want the statue of Abraham Lincoln taken out because somebody doesn't like it? I don't think so. Is that what this, is this bill to, to block white supremacists from having their statue removed? No, I think what it is is to have a thoughtful conversation about what we can take down and what we won't take down. I find it interesting that the minority has sat here for the last two hours lecturing us on a monument that sat there for the 84 years prior to Republicans even being in control. And they did not manage to remove it. But what this bill does today is actually puts into play the ability to remove something that is offensive to everyone that we could unanimously decide there. It gives a process for it. It gives an application for it. It gives municipalities a role in it. It gives people a role in it. It gives the state curator a role in it. It's not decided by the people in this body. It's decided by the historians that we've, uh, that we've appointed to protect the history and promote the history of our state. This is not a racist bill. Hitting green on this bill is not a racist move. The sponsors are not satanic. This bill sets up a process that we have the courage to have the debate. Action on House Bill 2174 came just days after a rally Saturday in support of the Crown Act. The bill, which has been introduced in both the House and Senate, seeks to end discrimination based on hairstyles. Delegate Walker, who is one of just three black lawmakers at the State House, explains the discrimination she and other people of color face as it relates to their hair. See, it's not the kink in my hair, it's the kink in your mind. It is not my curls as being a curse, it is my crown. And it is disgusting that in 2021, we have to educate people on the trauma 
and the turmoil and the barriers and the boundaries my natural hair has placed on me. Morgantown and Charleston have both recently passed resolutions in support of the Crown Act. At the State House, the effort has been introduced as Senate Bill 108 and House Bill 2698, although neither version has been taken up by a committee in either chamber. We switch gears now to check in on a much-watched piece of legislation that would establish publicly funded education savings accounts in West Virginia to be applied to the costs of private and homeschooling. Education reporter Liz McCormick brings us some of the debate in the Senate earlier this week. House Bill 2013 would create the HOPE Scholarship Program. The program establishes education vouchers for public school students who are interested in switching to home or private school. A student could receive a roughly $4,600 voucher per year based on the current state school aid formula. These vouchers would be used for things like tuition at a private school, tutoring, or an after-school program. The bill also says that if less than 5% of students take part in the program in its first year, then in 2026, the program would open to all current West Virginia private and homeschool students, regardless of whether that student ever attended public school. If that happens, it could cost about $100 million a year if all private and homeschool students took part, according to the West Virginia Department of Education. Senator Amy Grady, a Republican from Mason County, who is a public school school teacher and has voted alongside Democrats at times on education-related legislation, spoke in favor of the bill. Grady says she'd been on the fence about how she would vote, but ultimately voted in support, pointing to a student she taught with severe dyslexia. I often wonder what happened to him as he moved on through bigger schools and people didn't really understand what he needed. And I thought about more students that that could affect. She argued that having access to an ESA could have given her student more options. That clarity to me, thinking about that student and the difference that I made and the difference that, the difference that something like this could make in his life and lives of students like him, makes me think twice. Most Republicans have argued the program would ensure an even playing field for all West Virginia students and gives families choice. But Democrats have argued the bill is costly and would negatively affect funding for public education. Senator William Elenfeld, a Democrat from Ohio County, called the bill financial recklessness. We can't be lulled into believing that the financial picture in the state of West Virginia is better than it really is. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's flat. Uh, employment is flat, uh, revenue's flat. He went on to say the legislature should tread cautiously. So I'm not standing up here in opposition to the concept of an ESA, which I know exists in a handful of other states. What I'm saying is that if we're going to go down this path, we should be careful. Democrats have also pointed to concerns over discrimination. Minority leader Stephen Baldwin of Greenbrier County spoke against the bill, saying its reach is too broad and doesn't ensure that any student, regardless of background, could receive it. This particular bill is not a targeted bill. It's wide open. So it doesn't target the aid towards the students who need it the most. A student who needs it the most could be denied admission in the first place because they're a problem student, because they're disabled, because they have a lifestyle that isn't agreed to by the folks who are admitting those students. 
But Republicans in support of the bill say private schools are held to the same state and federal laws as public schools and must accept anyone. Senate Education Chair Senator Patricia Rucker of Jefferson County says the Hope Scholarship Program would be no different. You know, this legislation actually is open. It understands and accepts that there is a diversity in our state. It understands that people come from all walks of life. It contemplates that if that child is not being served, and it doesn't matter how much money the parents make, it doesn't matter what the child's particular demographic is, where they are in the state, it doesn't matter their background, it doesn't matter their ability. What matters in this legislation is you are not thriving and you are looking for help and we are giving them an option. House Bill 2013 passed the Senate 20 to 13 with Republican Senators Bill Hamilton of Upshur County and Eric Nelson of Kanawha County voting against the measure. For the legislature today, I'm Liz McCormick. Now we go to the state capitol for a conversation with House Finance Vice Chair Vernon Chris of Wood County and House Finance Minority Chair Brent Boggs of Braxton County. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Dave. All eyes over the past few weeks have been on Governor Jim Justice's plan to reduce the state's personal income tax by 60% for all filers. Ahead of the session, Senate President Craig Blair also touted this idea, and we've seen the rollout of the governor's plan in the past few weeks, which has become House Bill 2027 and Senate Bill 600. The personal income tax rollback would reduce revenue by more than a billion dollars and also calls for significant hikes on tobacco, alcohol, and soda. Most notably, the consumer sales tax would jump from 6% to 7.9%, making it the highest state sales tax rate in the nation. I'd like to start by giving you both a moment to react to the governor's plan. Delegate Chris, we'll start with you. I think that the uh, opportunities that the governor laid out there are, are going to be difficult for the Republican caucus to uh, take up. Uh, there are a lot of moving parts to his plan, and uh, but we're going to take, you know, we're considering each one of them as we sit here today and uh, try to evaluate through our caucus how much uh, opportunity there is for us to do anything with it. Right, and Delegate Boggs? Well, obviously, it's um, <clears throat> it has a lot of controversy surrounding it. We've looked at it uh, extensively. We've met with the governor on a couple occasions. Uh, it does have a lot of moving parts, and it is in a situation where uh, there's been a lot of uh, concerns expressed over who does it help, but who does it hurt. And I think that's one of the guiding principles that we're going to have going forward in any plan that we support is, is who does this help and who does it hurt? Because we really want to try to get our folks in West Virginia to stay. We want to rebuild our state and we want them to succeed. So that's going to have a big bearing in what we do. But right now, um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, support for the governor's initial plan that he came out with. Right. Uh, business groups such as the Business and Industry Council and the West Virginia Chamber of Commerce have come out against the governor's plan. Some specific industries like brewers in the state have also voiced opposition to the tax reform proposal. Delegate Chris, what would you say to these groups uh, that, that are against the governor's plan 
uh, about uh, as to how the House Finance Committee will approach the proposal. Well, we want to look at each one of these uh, taxes that he's asking to replace the personal income tax with, try to come up with a, a plan that will minimize that, if anything. Uh, but again, because the caucus is still not trying to uh, say no, but we are in a situation where there's just not a lot of support for his plan, and we're trying to work through that. And Delegate Chris, are there, are there any particular sticking points early on, or is it you know all sort of fair game at this point? I think it's all fair game. Uh, the the professional sales tax things have a lot of problems for a lot of us. I know that in the banking industry that my family is involved in and has been for over 80 years, there's a lot of consternation to what he has asked for, and it's going to be very delicate to the banking industry if this proceeds. Delegate Boggs, Democrats, of course, are far outnumbered in the makeup of the Finance Committee and also on the House floor. What does the minority plan uh, plan to offer to this proposal? And are you feeling as though the supermajority Republicans are giving you all an opportunity to weigh in? Well, once we get the proposal out in front of us that we can actually see the proposal, I hope my good friend and the chairman will allow us to weigh in and <clears throat> excuse me, offer some meaning proposals. But we also want to focus on some of the areas that uh, uh, that we can look at that might help keep our keep some of the folks in West Virginia that we're trying to address. I mean, it's all about population and growth right now. And we're other than a couple areas of the state, we're suffering from a lack of growth and population loss. So I think that things like how can we target our college graduates with possible tax credits, uh, vocational school graduates with tax credits to stay instead of leaving the state, uh, jobs to help them stay here, uh, our professionals with nurses, our teachers, our seniors. There's a number of different things like that that we can do that we can maybe target specific groups and then expand on that. But I think we've got some opportunities to work together because I believe that the best piece of legislation that you can always have is a bipartisan piece of legislation. And Delegate Chris, on, on your side, is there you know any, any number of, of ideas uh, like the ones that Delegate Boggs offered there? Yes, there's, there's plenty of opportunity for us, and uh, we're taking every consideration from the caucus as well as the members on the Finance Committee and the chairman to come up with a, a, maybe an alternative to what the uh, governor has proposed, and, and hopefully here shortly we will be able to see all those opportunities out before us. Um, you know, while we understand that the governor's plan is likely to take on a different form, you know, in his plan, there was the possibility of some state, some cuts to state agencies and programs. Um, you know, is that uh, is that possible in the budget? Um, you know, given um, the, the 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 proposal that the governor's put out, but also what what you guys might come up with yourselves. Well, I can tell you that he proposed a general twenty-five million dollar cut to the budget, but he didn't get specific in his answers. And so, therefore, he said for us to try to find those, and we'll we'll have to you know take that as an opportunity to try to help find those things. 
Delegate Boggs, you want to weigh in on the possibility of any cuts to state agencies? Well, that's always the most uh, troubling aspect of any budget, and certainly a comprehensive proposal that deals with taxes that where you're planning to cut sales, you're cutting income tax, but then making it up in other places. You know, I, I just don't believe that we can cut higher ed. I don't believe we can cut public ed. There are some bills that are running that are going to already take money out of public ed. So I think that we've got to be very, very cautious that we don't hurt people that we're trying to help on one hand, but we're actually hurting them on the backside. Delegate Chris, I want to you know continue down that line on the budget. The, uh, the tax bill would obviously impact um, the budget immensely. Um, we know that the governor has called for essentially a flat budget this coming year compared to where we are now. How do you see the budget playing out and can we what, what can we expect to see um, given the dynamic between this tax bill and the budget itself? Well, part of his the governor's plan was to implement part of this program mid, in mid-year for in the fiscal year starting January 1. That's going to be problematic to the, uh, the budget that we're working on, trying to come up with a plan that will take that into consideration if we decide to do something with his plan. Uh, Delegate Boggs, any thoughts to the, on the governor's budget uh, proposal and what West Virginians should be keeping an eye on as this session heads toward a, toward a close? Well, I think some of the most, uh, uh, while we've had a lot of uh, controversial bills and a lot of things that have happened in the first 30 days of the session, this last half of the session, I think it's most of it is going to revolve around the budget and some other issues. But I think that we need to be very careful and very cautious because, like my friend from Wood mentioned, we have to, we have to watch out and make sure that we don't do something on one hand Everybody wants to jump on the tax cut train. No one wants to be left off of it, but we've got to be very careful of where that train is going. If we're not very cautious, then we're going to get ourselves in a budget uh, a budget uh, issue that we may wish we had gone another direction. I want to follow up with that, uh, what you said there, and, and ask you, Delegate Chris, um, about you know this year's budget, um, from what we understand, didn't have the six-year you know outlook um, as it has in years past. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of people worried about not having that, that look ahead. Do you see that being a problem in putting together this year's budget, um, you know, based on the governor's proposal? No, I don't think so. We're, we're watching the revenues uh, as we are, always do uh, on the current budget and, and the trending on it to be able to project what we will need for next year. And then based upon his uh revenue estimates for next year and the flat budget that he produced to us uh, I think we'll be able to come up with a situation where we I think everybody will be comfortable provided what we do with his tax cut and interfere uh, with the second half of the fiscal year. Delegate Boggs any concerns about the you know the, the future of the state's budget? Well, I think as we talk about tax cuts in the state's budget, we need to be very, very aware that if we do anything going forward with taxes, it might involve triggers. Um, those triggers need to be based on realistic figures as opposed to something that's maybe artificially low. And then we have a, pot, a very good year next year with some tax collections that we didn't anticipate or that weren't really would be one-time situations like 
state tax collections from the uh, uh, federal uh, unemployment benefit extensions that have been sent out. Uh, if we are not careful, we could artificially hit some triggers and then find ourselves in a real dilemma two, three, four years down the road. Well, uh, that's House Finance Vice Chair Vernon Chris of Wood County and Minority Chair Brent Boggs of Braxton County. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Dave, thank you very much. That does it for tonight's episode of the Legislature Today. For more coverage of the 2021 legislative session, tune into West Virginia Morning on radio on weekdays at 7.46 a.m. You can also follow along with coverage on our website at wvpublic.org. And for live action on the floor of both the House and Senate, tune into the West Virginia channel on television and stream it online at wvpublic.org. Thanks for joining us tonight. Stay well and be safe.